From local to global, we bring you the best conversations with your favorite athletes and Olympians. This is the Olympics.com podcast. Welcome back to the Olympics.com podcast. Tom here driving the bus for you. Hope you enjoyed our last one, an insightful and inspiring deep dive into mental health and the challenges facing all of us, but particularly elite athletes and Olympians. Now we pivot to another very important topic, celebrating International Women's Day worldwide, saluting the incredible work, contributions, accomplishments, and raising of awareness on so many issues crucial to our overall growth as a society. The Olympics continues to be among the most progressive and universally recognized areas of women's influence. Coming up at the Paris 2024 Summer Olympics, there will be complete and total gender equality, equal numbers of men and women Olympians representing. To honor this momentous day, we're so lucky to have a conversation with one of tennis's all-time greats, India's Sanya Mirza. You know, when you're 18, they call you a brat for it. But when you're 36, they call it experience. That's how life works. And you become a strong woman. And, you know, that's just how it is. Six-time Grand Slam champion, three in mixed doubles, and three in doubles with Hall of Famer Martina Hingis. Now get this, for 91 weeks, Sanya was the number one ranked women's doubles player in the world. But her reach is surely way beyond the tennis world. She's a four-time Olympian, reached the semifinals of the Rio 26 Summer Olympics. Representing India, Sayona Zisiwis, Sanya Mirza, and Rohan Kumar. She's India's only woman tennis player to compete in more than one Olympics. Sonia is also very relatable to younger generations, a major social media presence across Twitter, Insta, and Facebook. And beyond that, she's a mother and a proud founder of her own tennis academy. We salute Sonia Mirza right here, right now. Our Chloe Merrill sat down with Sonia recently, and their chat began with the 36-year-old's recent retirement. Sonia's so busy, has she even been able to celebrate? Olympics.com podcast. Actually, this is like part of the celebration, you know. I mean, I think that, you know, these are all the new things that I'll be doing and talking about my life, about things that have been important to me, the things that I've been able to do and achieve. And and this is all part of it. And and, and, I mean, I know it's hectic and stuff, but I do really like it. I like, uh, um, you know, who doesn't like acknowledgement and who doesn't like acceptance and who doesn't like to be uh, told that they've done um, and made a difference in in some way. Um, But truly, just to put my feet up, no. The answer to your question is no, I've not had the time. I'm literally, um, you know, I'm traveling um, to, uh, I'm traveling about, I'm taking about, if I'm not wrong, about 12 flights in the next uh, seven or eight days, nine days, and like, you know, in different cities and which is all fine because I've actually signed up that new role as the RCB mentor as well. Because of that, I've gotten straight into something, um, you know, going from a high pressure job of competing, getting into another, you know, big thing. But I think that is so exciting for me to to do uh, these kind of different things, which also make a difference. You know, it's just helping the younger uh, generation of women athletes, um, even though it's in a different space, sport but just women athletes in general believing in themselves and getting that recognition that they deserve so i have not had the time to uh, celebrate really with my feet up but i'm celebrating in different ways 
Amazing. And you touched on your role there. How did that come about? Who approached who? Tell me a little bit. They basically approached us and they they asked us uh, um, if we were interested. And my first response was like, I can't be anything for cricket. I have no idea. Like, what are you guys talking about? You know, and I've been obviously I've been around cricket a lot because um, of the way my life has been by default. But it's just I've never really I mean, I'm not good enough ever to tell someone what to do. Um, And their whole approach to me was that, you know, we don't actually want you for cricket at all we actually want you for the mental aspect of things in terms of what it really takes um you know as a young indian woman or a, a woman in general a young woman trying to do something that is different and you know playing cricket in india as a young girl and a young woman is still quite different it's not the go-to sport that people really go to and now with all the um you know uh, the sponsors with the ipl i mean the wta wpl it's called um the women version of the IPL, um, you know, with with so many big companies and big uh, franchises buying these players, putting in so much money, the stakes are really high. And a lot of these girls have never really been in those positions before. You know, they've never felt that kind of um, media scrutiny or, um, you know, to have so many like uh, so many eyes on them, so much spotlight on them, all the matches being telecasted, photo shoots. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I've I've dealt with for the last 20 years and people having judgments on every single thing that you do. And that happens. The, the higher the stakes, the more um, the criticism as well, you know, and as uh, even the adulation, but also the criticism increases. So that's what they said they wanted me for. And I was like, you know what, that's actually a great idea because that's right up my alley. I mean, that's just something that I have dealt with by default. And I really put myself in their shoes and I was like, you know, what if I had someone like that who could help me and be like, this is what you should do. This is how you should behave or this is what how you uh, should feel in terms of like, oh, how you should cope with certain things. It would have been a lot easier for me, um, you know, emotionally and mentally to deal with it. So if I'm able to even share that experience with them and if it helps them, you know, so that's basically how it all kind of came about. And do you already have a sense of what you want to share with them? Or are you going to wait and see what they sort of come no, to? No, I actually think that everybody has different ways of dealing with different situations. And I think that we um, all need to uh, bring out the best in each other as a team. And I mean, we all need to, whatever team it might be, you know, we all need to sort of um, play to each other's strengths and try and hide each other's weaknesses. That's how I have learned to play tennis. When I played doubles all my life, we try and consolidate each other's strengths and we try and hide each other's weaknesses. And that cannot be different in any other sport as well, as long as that's how you make a strong and solid team. So I think that I... um, I just want to meet the girls, you know, I'm, I happened to be with uh, a few of them yesterday, actually on my flight to Mumbai, they were flying back from South Africa after the World Cup. And uh, one of them was sitting right next to me. So I actually started chatting with her. I had a really nice chat. She was a young 24 year old girl. So I got a sense of idea of where they are in terms of, you know, and, and she was so lovely. And she was, you know, talking about the pressure that they were feeling, how tired she is. She's going straight from the World Cup to the WPL. And so stuff like that. And so I'm just like waiting to meet them and and, and also, um, you know, be a friend, you know, not just it's not really about being a mentor. And it's about being a friend to them who understands that if they tell me that they are tired or they tell somebody in the team that they are tired, we know exactly what it means. It does not mean physically tired. It also just means emotionally or mentally tired, you know. So I want them to know that I'm there, um, you know, to help in whatever way possible. And what do you think the um, WPL says about women's sports in India and where um well all over the world right I mean, yes, and, and cool. wherever 
played because um, women's cricket is finally getting the recognition that it deserves because these girls have been fighting for that recognition for so long and for so many years. And we've had such, I mean, I can talk from India, we've had such great cricketers come out of um, India, uh, you know, women cricketers, and, and a lot of them have gone without recognition. So it's so great to have this platform. They're really lucky and fortunate as well to have this kind of opportunity and this platform to where they are able to, um, you know, where, where we always talk about a, a level playing field, right? That's what uh, we, uh, equality is about. It's not really about anything else. It's just about giving the opportunity to have a level playing field in in whatever we do. So I think this is just proving that and that's great for women's uh, sport. You said the word earlier, they're lucky. Uh, do you kind of wish that the state of play, as you're saying now, would that we've got and that you have in India was apparent when you began your journey yeah, six, most six, definitely. six years old? Most yeah, most definitely, right? Like, um, um, I would also would have loved to have someone to talk to, to someone to look up to and say, you know what, I have this problem. What do I do? What do I feel at this point? This is what I feel as a young girl, as a young woman. There's sometimes it's only friends understand those. You can't even go to your parents sometimes with certain problems that you have. You know, that's, you know, it could be anything, um, sport related or not. Um, I think that also, um, when I said uh, lucky, I'm also saying in just terms of the amount of, of, um, uh, uh, like the exposure that they are going to get that kind of exposure was just not there before you know with this uh, with the women's IPL it's just going to be so amazing for them to be able to showcase their skills and talents on a daily basis, um, you know, to the world and, and, and um, you know, there are some of the biggest uh, teams like this. I'm with RCB, there's Mumbai Indians. These are all the men IPL teams as well. Um, I'm guessing from your accent, you understand a little bit of cricket. So, you know, I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, so I'm just saying that, you know, it's 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 so good for them. And they, they are lucky in a way that they are in this generation where they have this platform. You know, my generation didn't have that platform. And I guess the thing with retirement is that it allows you, it's an end, an ending in itself, and it allows you to look back. And with what you've just said, do you think that your career has kind of paved the way for women sports athletes in India? I'm thinking here of like PV Sindhu and, and Mary Com as much as these women cricketers. I mean, I've been asked this question a lot. And to be honest, I mean, I do I think that I played a part in it? I mean, I hope so, right? Like, I, I tried to be um, as authentic as possible. I tried to um, do and say the things that were close to my heart, where that were from my heart. And not just as an athlete, but like everything else, to, to help young girls believe that uh, they can be the best in the world and they can be champions and they can do whatever they want um, on their own terms. And that's something that was very important to me. And um, I don't know if I have paved the entire way, but I do think that I feel that I uh, fortunately I've been able to play some part in it to start that revolution of um, young uh, female athletes from our side of the world, um, especially from India, um, you know, where we go to Olympics and are um, we have more women winning with medals than men do um, from India in the last two Olympics, at least. So, you know, obviously, uh, I feel really proud to have played a part in that uh, revolution. So, so you kind of said earlier that, that um, not having someone to look up to was something you really wish you would have had. If we go back a little bit to your origin story and where you started, what other kind of challenges presented themselves quite early to you? And did you think at that moment, like, oh, this is going to be tough, like I mean, getting just, to Central just, Court Wimbledon, that dream is going to be hard? 
I mean, just finding a tennis court, like, I mean, to practice on, that was a challenging in itself. And forget what surface you were playing on, just to find one tennis court. Um, then, uh, you know, we were playing on surfaces made out of cow dung. I mean, there was no other surfaces in Hyderabad. Finding people to play with, finding actual coaches, finding, you know, the, everything was a challenge. Because over here, you're trying to do something that's never been done before, right? It's a, you're, it's not like, um, you know, there are uh, 10 people ahead of you and you're just following the path of what everybody else has laid in front of you. You're kind of creating your own path. So you are doing everything by yourself, making your own mistakes, making your own uh, way uh, with your own challenges. And um, so everything, every small detail like that was, was I mean, to get to practice with new balls used to be like, it was like Christmas, you know, like, oh my God, we have new balls to practice with because they were so expensive. We couldn't afford it at that point. So the support of your family must have been pretty instrumental in those early stages then, your parents and your sister. I mean, my, I would not have been able to do it without my with my, my parents and my sister. I think that, you know, I was very fortunate to come from a family of, you know, we were both very fortunate, Anam and I, to come from a family of two girls who were never um, treated any different because they were girls. And, and you know, and, and that's how we grew up. So we thought that's the most normal way to be. And then as you grow older, you see that's not the case in a lot of households you know you are treated differently because you're a girl in some ways you're so you're allowed to do some things you're not allowed to do society is allowing you to do certain things and not allowing you to do certain things and um so we were very fortunate to come from also parents who were probably ahead of their times you know and 30 years ago they were ahead of their times and today you have more and more people who believe that that if they have a young girl they she can become a um, she can become an athlete and make a career out of it. I don't think that was the case 30 years ago. That didn't even cross people's minds. They just thought you're going to go and play a little bit of tennis here and there. And then you're going to do the usual route of like go to school and study, either become a doctor or whatever, you know, the regular thing or get married and have children. There was no like that concept didn't really exist at that point. So yeah, so I, th I think that we were very fortunate to come from parents like that who thought and believed like my, my sister went into something completely different. She's into fashion. She just actually started her own new, um, you know, uh, uh, like a label uh, uh, for clothing. She runs her own um, event management company. She runs a PR agency. She runs her own exhibition. So she went, in, she went into completely like the opposite. So, and my parents were fine with that. And that's also not really, you know, something that is a very normal thing to do, right? Like for parents, they're like, oh, you're educated. Like you want to go into fashion. It's, it's not something that a lot of parents encourage a lot of the time. So we were very fortunate to come from parents who supported all our decisions. So did, is it was it then frustrating when you're coming from this background where you're being told you can do what you want to do and we're going to help you support that when you come across cultural barriers that are telling you you shouldn't be doing that, don't do that? Like that must have I been... Um, I think I was too young to be frustrated. Like I didn't really understand or know better at that point, to be very honest with you. I mean, was it frustrating later on when I started understanding 100%, right? Because we were not raised that way. We were not told that you need to come back home at a certain time because you're a girl. We were told that you need to come back at a certain time because, you know, it's not safe for a girl or a boy. It was not like, oh, you're a girl. So, you know, this boy can stay out this long, but as a girl, you need to come back. We were not from that family. We were just not raised that way. So it was very different for us to 
to uh, to see and 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 see certain things that were happening around and that's the when i you know you when things around you happen is when you actually realize that oh wow not a lot of people think like us not a lot of people actually uh, believe certain things that we've grown up with which is very normal for us so it was eventually i think maybe when i was uh, you know a, a teenager 18 19 20 i think yeah it was probably a little bit more frustrating because also you're a bit more brash when you're 18 19 you you know you're rebellious you don't really want to rebellious in a way not in a bad way but i'm just saying as a teenager you know you don't want to listen to people what they have to say about you i mean most teenagers don't even want to listen to their parents um you know imagine putting that and multiplying that by like a million folds where the entire world is telling you what to do so not many people like that i'm, I'm guessing i don't know yeah i mean also i mean your kind of quips and chides and and wit over the years sonia have been iconic like just amazing as you know as women to to watch you snap back sometimes and do that but i'm just also curious at that age sort of you said like 18 19 20 that was when the spotlight really fell on you i like i'm thinking of australia that third round match serena williams that was quite yeah. overnight almost like do you ever look back at that and just think god how did i cope how did i cope with that pressure that came on me is can anyone ever be prepared for that no i don't think so uh, but i think that uh, i don't know how i coped with it sometimes i do look back and i'm actually quite impressed with myself because i was like how did i not lose it here like how did i go into this press conference and not like you know throw a mic at someone like i do feel like that sometimes but um i think that what keeps me uh, very uh, stable is the fact that i try and you know when i'm having a conversation with you i try and be as authentic as possible you know for me i understand that you cannot um, be true true in front of every single person but i try and be um, the true the things that matter i try and put it out there as it is i try i'm a pretty black and white person i'm not so much of a gray person so i like to be that way because i feel like like most things in life should be black and white you know there are very few things that can be gray and so when i talk to you and you ask me a question i try and be as honest as possible because i feel that's respectful to you and to your job as well of what you're trying to do and that's how i've lived my life so when so i can understand why that could offend some people because it's for a lot of people black and white is not the way to go they want you to be in a little bit of gray they want you to sugarcoat a few things um you know and and i just don't believe i believe that i will not sugarcoat something that needs to be said i feel that i need to say something and if i feel that's going to make a difference um and is going to be heard then i need to say it whatever it may be you know like and and at 36 obviously people will take you a lot more seriously because you have age and experience behind you but when the same thing is said by an 18 year old they label me as someone who was a, a who was a rebel and i really was not a rebel like i was a very normal person like i mean i i i really wasn't a rebel trust me you can ask my parents that like i was i didn't even want to play tennis because i wanted to go to school like i was that kind of kid so you know it was it came from that to like they were like oh my god she's so rebellious and i'm like i'm really not guys like i'm just being honest you know i'm just being honest of what i think so is a certain way i can talk to you about myself i feel my truest expression of how i am how i am as a personality comes out how i am on the court because i feel that on the court when you're on the actual tennis court no matter how many millions of people are watching you um all you care about is winning you know and and you 
I mean, we talk to ourselves, which other job do you talk to yourselves and are not claimed mad, you know, like we talk to ourselves all the time. We have we have full blown conversations about our, about ourselves to with ourselves. We get angry at ourselves. We get happy with ourselves. We we pump ourselves up. We fight. We do all those things in a span of two hours in that match. And then we feel sad according to the result or we feel jubilant according to the result feel emotion so you're experiencing every emotion of a human body that can um and there is no way you can put an act you can't act you know like in that moment because in that moment that uh, what people think and what what the world thinks or what you're doing is not important what's important is are you winning the tennis match so that's where i feel that i am the most authentic like uh, on the tennis court is where i truly am who really i am and i don't i don't know how much tennis you watched me play but i don't really show that much emotion i um i don't really hit the racket on the you know i don't really argue like i don't do stuff like that that is who i am that's how i deal with adversity even in life um, you know if i have problems or anything my first reaction to that is to actually go quiet rather than like blow up you know so that's who i am and that's how i am on the tennis court as well that's a beautiful answer and and like you know they can't you can't hide when you're on a court you can't that is you are there to do your job and and that's what you've you've been doing all your life i i think that's that's really brilliant to hear and talking about wins and losses sonia do you have a favorite win <laughs> of because you know you're a six-time grand slam winner you're a former number one is there a, a a win that you have with a other backstory behind it that really stands out to you when you when you look back i think i, I think i would definitely say winning wimbledon final i mean there are a lot of wins obviously but winning wimbledon final was something very special even though i won slams before that and after that but you know being a child from india playing on cowdung courts to dream of playing at wimbledon on the grass courts on the mecca of tennis was something that was so far off like it was so far off in our heads and in people's heads then we were the only ones who believed in that dream and uh, not only being able to compete at wimbledon for many years to be able to go there on center court and win and the way that we won the final it was like a absolute bollywood movie you know i mean it was 5-2 down we went inside at 5 all i mean the roof shot we came back to a packed house on wimbledon center court for, with a standing ovation and um we literally looked at each other and i said to martina that uh, these are the moments we worked all our life for you know and we smiled at each other and we played the best two games that were in the entire match and we won the tournament from there so that moment is like what basically defines you as a tennis player those are the moments that you've worked all your life those hours of you know training and and the ones the, the days you didn't want to wake up and go and train the the pain your body's gone through that moment just makes everything okay you know to walk on a center court at wimbledon of a final to walk in on a on a standing ovation at 9:30 in the evening on a shut roof um at center court of wimbledon is uh, probably the moment that will stay with me forever and it, and it would be a a miss i think to pretend that all sporting journeys are about wins because they're not made up it's really not it's really not i mean I, i the first time i ever um i mean we i would have felt the same way about this i think even if we would have lost that final because just walking in and having that experience of walking on that court we came out on the right side of that final but i mean we could have so easily lost that match you know and and um it was such an amazing match to be part of like you know till today 
people talk about like we go to Wimbledon and they're like oh that final you guys played you know like we came on I remember Roger was playing the final in the men's the next morning we came I came the next day to like do whatever pack up my locker and all this stuff and um, I see Roger Federer and he's like what an amazing final like everybody was glued to that final you know like um, I any person I was passing and they were like that was one of the best women's doubles finals we've ever had at Wimbledon so imagine being part of that kind of history um, so regardless of whether you won that match you lost that match you were part of um, you know some amazing history a props from feds that's pretty amazing um and and are there any near misses or heartbreaks that have stayed with you as much as those that win has i think that the one heartbreak that stayed with me is probably the rio olympics i mean for me um coming that close to winning a medal because i feel that's probably the only thing that is um if I could take it back, I mean, if I could go back in time and be like, what is the one thing that you would want is I I, I would want a medal at the Olympics because um, we came that close. We were up a set in the semifinal to go and play for the for the match for gold. And, and we lost that match and to come back. One of the, the hardest things to do to come and play for the bronze. And uh, we didn't make it. And, and uh, honestly, that that has uh, sometimes believe it or not it's been i don't know how many years three years two three years now uh no more it's been more four than that years, yeah. right? <laughs> yes like, no, it's been four years now um it was 16 right yeah 2016 yes yeah, yeah, so, so seven, seven years seven now. years now it still feels really fresh. Like the wound of that still feels pretty fresh. Like it does, imagine I'm calling it two, three years ago. That's how fresh it feels. It doesn't feel like it was seven years ago. Like it feels um, as though, uh, you know, I would do anything to to have that match back. That says a lot about you as a competitor. I think that answer, I think yeah. is really interesting. <laughs> but it's amazing that, yeah, that no matter the, those, like I said earlier, like a, a sporting journeys are made up of the wins and, and those losses as well. And they, they sort of stick twice as much. Yeah. And, and, and if you have a 20 year long journey, you're not peaking for 20 years. You're going to have a lot of downs in that. So people really talk about the longevity of, of people who are, uh, you know, playing. And like that's why it's amazing when you play for that long, because you're also going through so many ups and downs and downs and downs and then ups and then downs. So you're going through so much of emotion motion um and also going through so much of like fighting back from from being down right like you cannot for 20 years you cannot be on the top there's no it's not possible i mean unless you know that your which i guess so that's possible right? <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> yes particularly right now um and I, I was wondering we've we talked about achievements but where does your motherhood journey fit into your career achievements because pregnancy women um, is a conversation that we don't really speak about enough certainly from the athletes that we speak to and then everyone's journey is different as well different levels of support are required how how do you look back at what you've done and with your son is hard you know one of the reasons I came back was because um, I didn't know if I was going to be able to come back because I didn't know how my body would react and you know so on so forth but one of the reasons I came back is like I had put on 23 kilos you know and everybody was like you're going to play tennis again and I was like yeah and I'm like, I'm sitting there like 20 kilos overweight now after I've had the baby. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to play tennis straight, dead straight in their face. And they would, they, they probably didn't have the guts to say it to me because they said it to me later after I lost it. They were like, we never thought you were going to hold a tennis racket in your life again, you know? And I was like, then you don't know me at all. Then you actually don't know me at all because I love doing things that that are challenging and very challenging and, and where people think it's impossible to do Um 
so I came back and one of the reasons, of course, it was for myself. It was it was because I felt I still had tennis left in me. I still felt that I had a um, high level of tennis left in me. But it was also to do with the fact that, you know, I think there's not enough women who become mothers who still follow their dreams to the extent of when they did before they were mothers. And I think that, um, you know, when people who are in the public eye do that, and especially in, a, in, a, in, in sport, which requires so much physical, um, you know, physically you're so you're so needed to be present right you're so needed to be in great shape and all this i feel that i uh, was trying to set an example for young mothers to say that i can follow my own dream after i have a child i can still be the best i still can be very good at what i want to do and it does not make you a bad mother it does not make you a selfish person it does not make because there's so many people mom guilting you and Trust me, mom guilt within itself, I don't know if you're a mom, but if you're a mom, mom guilt is within itself so, so difficult because every minute that you're staying away from the sun and there's no person in the world that loves your child more than the mother does. And every every moment that you're staying away from him or her, um, you have it, you know it more than anybody else. You don't need people to tell you that as well. But the thing is that if I'm not happy as a person and I'm not loving myself and doing what I love, I can never be the best version of the mother um, that my son needs me to be. That's how, what I believe. Um, you know, so today I like, for example, I went for an event. I finished the event. I had you know 20 minutes i went i was like i'm quickly gonna rush even you know and pick him up and surprise him in school those are the moments and then he comes running to you and those are the moments that make it all worth it you know um because i that was my mom guilt because i was like oh my gosh like you know i'm i've not seen him since last night i was in mumbai yesterday i haven't seen him all day so that was my mom guilt um but uh yeah i think that one of the reasons to come back was to prove to mothers that you need to love yourself first to be the best version of yourself and the mother that you can be and that's amazing and now you're going to have so much more opportunity to be with him and uh so brilliant to speak with you sonia you're amazing um just thank on a you. personal level i've looked up to you forever so thank you very much thank you and um thank you all much. the best with everything it's been a pleasure thank you this is the olympics.com podcast podcast so many great insights, huh? Amazing challenges overcome from childhood on. Olympics, Wimbledon, being a mother, being a role model to millions of other Indian girls. Outstanding stuff, very inspirational. Also, Sonia Mirza has been chosen by Royal Challengers Bangalore for the inaugural Women's Premier Cricket League 2023, added to inspire and encourage the newly formed women's cricket team. Thanks, Sonia, for your honesty and for all you've done. Also, thanks, Chloe, for bringing that all home. For more in-depth and original Olympics-related feature content, search our platforms here on olympics.com. So much more on Sonia right here for the clicking on olympics.com. The Mirza Motherhood Hustle. The complete Sonia Mirza retirement interview. Mirza speaking on gender equality. A super emotional thank you video to Sonia. Go have a look and enjoy. That's it for this episode of the Olympics.com podcast. Hit us up at Olympics with any feedback you have. We love feedback. Helps us to get better. You can also hit me up on my Twitter at TK Sports Tweets. Thanks for being a part of the Olympic community and follow the road to the Paris 2024 Olympic qualification process here as well. See you next time. You're listening to the Olympics.com podcast.